It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back to the Flowtrack Podcast. Flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. I'm Kevin. He's Gordon. We continue our end of year episodes here on the pod. Today, we're going to talk about biggest surprises of 2020. And, and there were a lot, Gordon, just starting at the top of most of the season getting canceled. I think we can say if we were ranking these, that would be the number one thing that we did not anticipate going into 2020. Whoa, whoa, Kevin. Come on. Every podcast, you, have you, you, you introduce it with a hey, how you doing? Or like small talk, but you're just going right into the list. What, what happened to the little banter back and forth that we can talk about how the Sixers are doing, you know, how your Spurs are doing? Like what happened to our banter? Well, we're recording this on the morning of the first game for the Spurs and the Sixers of the NBA season. Yeah. So, but, but by the time people out. listen, yeah, I don't want to do a bunch of takes on the Spurs that get blown out of the water after one game. I'm nervous. That's why. That's why there's no banter. That's why I'm getting I'm getting right into it. Actually, we got an email that is is banter worthy, but also somewhat related. Because you asked for top five rankings for people, and Austin wrote in wants to know the top five cancellations of 2020. Do you have a list? I have a short list Ooh. of three that I put above all else. Top five cancellations, I guess. Obviously, number one is the cancellation of the race walk. I mean, no one saw that coming. Mm-hmm. I'm just, no, I'm just kidding. That's me. I think That's top me. five cancellations. Oh, oh, we're talking about on track, right? I guess track, road, road or track yeah. or cross country, road, road or track. I guess, obviously, NCA indoors, right? Because that was the first. So I feel like that's number one because that was the first domino during March Madness time. So I'd say NCA indoors was one. I'd say two would be, um. So, Olympics? I'd say two. Yeah, no, two. I'd say NCA outdoors because they happen at the same time. Mm, so one, two, that's right? True. So two's NCA indoors, two's NCA outdoors because that was all in the moment. We still were holding on to the Olympics. Um, I'd say, uh, how about in no particular order? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's obvious you could be like, oh, then Boston, then Olympics, and like those are the big things. But I'm trying to think of something that's like 
Whoa. I would say the most shocking, because once it started, it started making sense that they're going to cancel things, right? Because when you're in yeah. it, no one was thinking. So I'm trying to think of like what was unexpected. It was unexpected they would cancel and say indoors because it was literally in 24 hours. It was also unexpected that they would cancel outdoors because you were like, wait, this is going to last till June? That doesn't make any sense. This is only a two-week mm-hmm. thing, right? But then once we knew it was more than a two-week thing, we knew canceling the road marathons made sense, canceling Olympics made sense. I would say the cancellation of cross-country was up there because we would have thought by November we would be fine, yeah, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And then – actually, number one is Ivy League. You're right. Number one is is Harvard because they were the first one to pull out and everyone was like – Harvard and indoors? Harvard yeah, indoors. Uh, yeah. I don't know. What Listen. You, what, what about you? What were your thoughts? Well, the biggest I think – I think Olympics has to be there because once they cancel that, the whole point of the season for track disappeared. Boston, I think, gets a vote because they canceled twice and they were the only really, really big event that had the double cancellation because they moved it to the fall <laughs> and then canceled again. But because we were there and because it was first, I think you got to give some weight also to NCAA indoors on top of NCAA outdoors. Because when we were traveling out there, we were talking, we were sitting on the plane, we were saying, hey, maybe this meet's not going to happen because they're canceling these basketball tournaments. And why would they cancel basketball tournaments and have a track meet? But as you speculated at the time, it was maybe because people just forgot about track and didn't know that they had to remind the track people that they couldn't compete. But I don't think either of us, when we were on that plane, thought, oh yeah, outdoors is done too. And I didn't think... I didn't think that they'd announce that ad- outdoors would be done at the exact same time. And then I remember talking to some athletes at the meet who were saying, yeah, our campus is closed now. And I said, well, where are you going next? And they're, I don't know. I guess we're going to fly back and then we have to go home. Like they were so confused because dorm rooms were closing. All this stuff was just changing so rapidly. So that one, obviously because of the timing, um, I, I saw that is it ESPN that's doing like a documentary on on March 11th on the Rudy Gobert positive and stuff. Oh, um, I didn't know. Like chronicling that basically the day like sh- sports shut down. I was surprised you and I weren't contacted. At least I wasn't contacted about it. Were you contacted to give some on the ground indoor? No, I was not. Nuggets. Okay, um, yeah. I do know our our colleague uh, sites, uh, Flow Wrestling. They did a whole documentary about the day the wrestling mm-hmm. tournament got canceled because the NCAA wrestling tournament was going to be the week after uh, NCAA indoors. So they had like, right. they were like a week out. We were only 24 hours out, but they had like the big day of like, no, we, we lost our championship. Uh, so there's a, yeah. there's a mini documentary on that. If you guys want to check it out on wrestling, uh, just make sure you type in promo cord, promo code Gordon Mac sent you. So I get a little um, residual. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, obviously the biggest surprise was, covid right it's the biggest surprise yeah, yeah. of the year um cross think- country was big though too because at the beginning of the summer we were assuming cross could happen and i remember you told me you were texting a coach about cross country coming up and the coach replied like see you in 2021 and you and i were like oh they're just being negative like they'll they'll definitely we'll have a cross country season and then 
bit by bit, it went apart and then part of it came back together. I'm so excited for when I'm going to be surprised by cancellations again. I'm looking forward to being in that headspace to where when I read a cancellation and we just saw one, we're recording this on the 23rd, we saw one yesterday with Milrose and you're like, oh, okay, cancellation. But I want to get to the time where it's like, it's assumed that everything is going to go on schedule and everything's going to go on time. And if something gets canceled, you're like, wait, what? What happened? We got so numb to, to cancellations. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, get, to that world. Yeah, we, we used to get like, whoa, they're canceling it because of like a hurricane. Or like, whoa, they're yeah. canceling because of a winter storm. Like that happened. Mm -hmm. I remember some big indoor meets will get canceled because of winter storms. And we're yeah. like, whoa, yeah. they're not going to have the Valentine invite? This is crazy. You know, yeah. but <laughs> now it's like cancellation is just par for the course. But yeah, yeah, number one surprise, obviously, is COVID cancellations. What is another big surprise that you have on your list of 2020 that we didn't see coming on January on December 31st of 2019. Kipchoge losing. I did not see coming this year. I didn't think this would be the year that the streak ended. He's been perfect in the marathon since 2014. Had that impressive streak and was setting world records and breaking barriers along the way. And then goes to London in what I will say, which everybody would acknowledge was an unorthodox race. It was scheduled on short notice, a loop course was supposed to be the battle with Bekele. Bekele, of course, scratched. Kipchoge uh, hung with the lead pack, but faded over the last loop, ran 206.49 to finish eight. So did not see him losing this year just because it was hard to imagine him losing at all, and especially did not see him getting eighth and running a, a 206. Just two numbers next to Kipchoge's name. Gordon, that we were completely unfamiliar with seeing. They look so out of place when you look at the results for the London Marathon this year. So, yeah, we were surprised by him losing. The uh, the communities, uh, the talk track radio. I'm not sure if there is a talk track radio, but, you <laughs> know, sports radio was surprised. Do you think he was surprised? 100%. 900%. Yeah? I think, yeah, I just, well... He knew more about his training than anybody else, but I also think yeah. he had faith going in that it worked out for him because it always did work out for him. And he was he was pretty flexible. He won when insoles were coming out of his shoes. He won in bad weather before. He won in an Olympic-style race. He won in a time trial race. He's run 159. He's run 201. He's run 202. Now, afterwards, he talked about, you know, his ear was blocked with the rain and the cold, and people were saying, well, maybe he's not that good in cold weather, which it, it could be the case. He could be better in, in perfect conditions, right? I think most of us probably are better in perfect conditions, but he had been exposed to some not ideal conditions before, and it always worked out. So that's why I think he was, I think he was surprised. And just the, the race, when you look at the results, Gordon, the first, he got eighth, right? The first eight yeah. were within... 68 seconds, 68 seconds. And then there was more than two minutes back to ninth. It almost reminded me of a tactical 5,000 or 10,000 at the world championships where there's this one group that breaks away and then everybody kicks that last 400. And he was just at the back end of that group. So I bet even going into those last few miles, he thought I can make this work. I can, I can, I can get the win. Cause all it took, if you told me all he needed to do was run 205.40 and he would have won in London, I would have taken that bet. Uh, even Lincoln probably would have taken that bet. And Lincoln loses 
pretty much every bet. Do you, I I tweeted this after the race uh, back in when was it September? Um, I honestly think his eighth place finish October, is the yeah. most is the most badass performance he's ever had. And you know why? Because he chose not to DNF. He chose right, right. to have an eighth place finish on his resume. He could have easily chosen to have a DNF, and then we then it's not a loss. We could he could have kept his record like oh the DNF doesn't count, whatever he had a, a something with his calf or whatever he could just he could totally get a mulligan and no one would call him out on it. They'd be like oh yeah mm-hmm. the best of all time he, it's, it doesn't it didn't count, but the fact that he's willing to put an eighth place finish on his resume and mess with his streaks and all this stuff and his goat status. Is all is the ultimate goat status because it shows that he cares more about the competition and like competing in it and finishing it than than about the image of your perfection. And I thought mm. there's not many people who would do that. Like Usain Bolt would would maybe pull up in the final four by one when he knows he's not going to win. I mean, I'm not saying he did that on purpose. Did he fake the injury on Usain Bolt when he pulled up in the four by one? Are you losing me now? You were doing good. You're losing me now. You're losing me now. I'm just not. Maybe Bolt didn't do that, but because uh, Bolt did take the third place, so that that counts. Bolt was a competitor. Yeah, he yeah. didn't like pull out of the hundred. Um, but uh, I just think that it's different so in a marathon, I though, think, right? Because in the hundred, it's yeah. not like you're gauging where you're at in the hundred yeah. and saying, "Okay, now I'm going to drop out." The marathon gives you plenty of opportunities to drop out. I understand yeah. your point with Kipchoge. Yeah. And I think like we – I mean so I think it's – we justify dropping out of marathons because we're like, hey, it's a lot of stress on the body. And like we kind of mm-hmm. create this narrative that like it's so important to not overstrain yourself for efforts that mm-hmm. don't matter and this, that, and the other thing and this whole like rules of – Buildups. I mean, Lincoln was talking about it. It was like, or you were talking about like Sarah Hall didn't follow the rules and Sarah Hall just mm-hmm. got second in London and then goes runs second fastest time in American history. Like that's yeah. not following the rules of how you do a buildup. And I just think that we, ex- I think society, I think just the running community accepts DNFs too much as we should. And yes, there are legit DNFs when you're hurt and you need to pull out. Mm-hmm. But I think there is a, percentage more than 20 i think i mean i i don't know but i bet at least 40 percent of dnfs are non-injury related and are just bullshit related I'm like yeah it's not my day as mm-hmm. opposed to like i can't do it like you know yeah. so that's well, what i think there's and also I think financial he's, com- he's, there's also a financial component to it too right it's like why keep trudging along if you're in, if you're out of the prize money, at that point, with something well, long like the race. marathon, why? You know, yeah, but you also it's a business too. It's a business, so then you're just running those miles for free at that point. I don't. I could. I would be Mr. DNF, man. The moment I dropped out of the money and I didn't think I could do it, I would go to the side. I'd, uh, I'd uh, find an Uber and I'd be gone. I'd be back to the meat hotel, getting ready for the next race. Financially speaking, yeah. but I get your point. Kipchoge held himself to. A higher standard, standard here because he had yeah. all the reason in the world to to bail and it was a loop course too a lot of times in marathons people do they are strategic about where they drop out based on how close they are to the hotel 
or the, the van. I'm sh- yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure when you get to that level, they'll, they'll figure out a way to to pick you up and they'll radio for someone to come. But uh, he had he had ample opportunities to drop out and he and he didn't. So I 100% agree with you. And Link and I were talking about this on the episode that's going to air. Um, I think a- after this one, so tomorrow. I think the, you know the loss makes 2021 Kipchoge pretty more interesting. I think than if he won this race. Yeah, because we got into this we got into this realm of it was every race was Kipchoge versus the clock and Kipchoge versus history, and that's an impossible standard to meet. And he met it and exceeded it several times, but it just ran out of real estate. So now that he got beat, we can go back to okay, if he wins. That's a big story again because now there's a comeback narrative. He went from eighth back to first. He's he's starting a new streak. Versus if he was if he kept winning and he goes and he runs the Olympics and runs two oh five, okay, great. Kipchoge ran two oh five. We've seen that a million times yeah. before. We we get bored with his greatness. Now we can compare him to his peers as opposed to comparing him against history, which is something that's I mean, it both of them are fun, but I think we it, it had its run. And now we can go back to, to more mortal type takes with Kipchoge. Yeah. So for most people, the surprise is the loss. For me, the mm-hmm. surprise is him choosing the loss over a DNF. Yeah, yeah. Because he, yeah. he made that decision. Another. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Another one I got: the five thousand and ten thousand meter records being broken for the men, and the five thousand meter record being broken for the women. Right up until. Chapter guy crossed the line in the 5,000. I would not have said it was possible. I guess at the bell lap, I probably thought it was possible. Maybe at the 3K mark. Let me backtrack here. 3K mark. Definitely thought it was doable. And at that point, I thought the 10K was possible. Uh, Latensa day. I did not see that as being possible, even until she started rolling and Paul Chalimo said with what, like five laps into the race, Chalimo's like, she's got it. I can tell she's got it. And I was getting ready to roast Paul after it was over, but... He was proven right. So I didn't see that coming all the way in the, the winter months, all the way up to when they did it. I did not think those records were on the table for 2020. Yeah, did not see them coming. I mean, not only did I not see them coming like in 2020, I didn't see them coming in like a long time, right? Because you probably looked at like the person who could have maybe challenged it was Mo Farah, but he chose not to be a time trial. He chose just to be the best 400 meter runner of all the 5k and 10k runners. Uh, <laughs> and so maybe it just get, it would take another generation of athletes to have right. the cojones like Bekele did. And we got an intrepid guy. So uh, yeah. yeah, I didn't see it coming either. And then with good whoever did is not telling the truth. <laughs> yeah. They either, they either coach Joshua chapter guy or good or have access to all their their workout data. And with G'day, Lincoln's been over this before, just she's not the reigning gold medalist. If you put everybody in the world in one race, people might reasonably pick her for bronze before and maybe even after. You might even say Safan Hassan is is still the favorite in that event based on what she's done. So that was that was such a shock. Okay. Kira D'Amato. Kira D'Amato. One of the surprises of 2020. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, that's an understatement. I mean, on the American <laughs> side, I say that's the biggest surprise on the American side of, of running this. She was what, 36? 
She's maybe just turned mm-hmm. 37 now. I don't know. She's 36. Yeah. 36-year-old human who all of a sudden is running like they are 23 and coming off of like three NCAA <laughs> titles and in really good shape. And it's just like, where were you for the past 15 years? Um, turns out she was just living a, her her normal life and mm-hmm. kind of got good at running late. And it, the surprise was definitely the 1504 time trial that she did on her own. Mm-hmm. But then I think the bigger surprise was that she just kept on repeating that performance yeah. and it wasn't like, a, you know, to the well, all out, never going to do it again type run. It was just a start of eventually running a top 10 all-time marathon, you know, and becoming like, even during this, her journey of like her going through this run of the 5k, then winning that 10k that was slow. And then her 10 miler, you know, we're slowly giving it a little more credit. Like, you know, maybe she could make the trials in the 10k. And then, and then my new thing was like, she's going to be in it with a mile to go. Right. Mm -hmm. And then now you run a two twenty. She went 222 is what she ran? 222. Yeah. You went 222 marathon. Now I'm not thinking that she's going to be in it with a mile to go. I think she might be in it with 400 to go. Like mm-hmm. the more and more data points she gives us, the more and more I'm putting her in a top three with less real estate to go in the 10K at the Olympic trials. So yeah, she's, she's surprised me multiple times. And I think she's going to be done surprising me now. Now I think if she runs a fast time in 2021, it won't be surprising. She'd just be like another one of the elite athletes who just runs a good time. Yeah. Which is great. My which is evolution. Wild. Yeah. My evolution, similar to yours, but I looked at it in terms of, of the Olympic trials, and it went from, oh, she could be she could be at the Olympic trials. Then it went to, man, if she keeps this up, by the time 2021 rolls around, she could be a factor. And then my final evolution, where I'm at now is man, it kind of sucks that they got postponed because this could have been, she could have made it this year. She doesn't need another year. This could have been her best year to make it. And she might be one of those people that, you know, has the hot hand in 2020. And then we look back at 2021 and it's like, oh man, if it was, if it was on its regular schedule, she, she would have been in an even better position. The range is what sticks out to me too. 1504 to 222. You posted some stat about that, right? There's only a few women. Why in- didn't, U.S. history. I just done texted. That. Yeah, I just texted oh, you. Oh, you texted it. Yeah, I didn't post okay. it. Yeah, there's only well, like how many five people have women. Done it? Five, five Americans have run that fast on yeah. the track, the 5K, and that fast on the roads in the marathon. Do you think that Kira and Sarah Hall? They're like the same age, right? They're around the same age. Sarah Hall is 37, I believe, and Damato is 36. Yeah. Do you think both of them will be on the starting line at the 2024? Olympic marathon trials. Yeah. And by on the starting yeah. line, on the starting line, healthy with like a chance. I mean, I'm more confident obviously in hall because we have a yeah. longer body of work to go back from. I think, I mean, I think D'Amato still the, well, she has the 10,000 route, right? And Sarah Hall, I think, I don't know if she's going to run the 10,000 at the Olympic trials, but with D'Amato's 15 low and the half marathons that she's run, you have to think that she's got a good, a decent shot in the, in the, in the 10,000, but I might. Yeah. Yeah. I think both of them will be there. 
final answer. What about you? Well, I also think like maybe Kira might be have an advantage as a 40-year-old on the starting line because she's going to have the legs of a 30-year-old because she wouldn't have like 10 years of post-collegiate racing on her body. Like she's kind of yeah under-trained. And, and if you look at the past 15 years, like there's a big chunk that's like not pushing and grinding and all that stuff. So she might be a little bit the most fresh 40-year-old we've ever seen because she decided to get good super late in her in her timeline. Well, and it's not anyway. Yeah, and it's not it's yes, no, I I think that that's an interesting fact to consider and it's not like people in their late 30s haven't been a factor for the US women's marathon scene or the men's marathon scene. You have Abdi over 40, uh, Des Linden turned 37 this year. She got so she was Linden was 36 when she when she got fourth in the Olympic trials, obviously Flanagan just retired, but she was a, she was a factor. Uh, Dina Castor was like late into her career. The marathon allows for that. Meb, you go on and on and on and on. In the U S at least the marathon allows for people in their late thirties, even into their early forties to, to stay competitive and be a factor. Um, speaking of that, go ahead. You know what Kira probably will make? She'll probably make the World Athletics 2022 marathon team. If she wants right? to run it, yeah. Because well, I think yeah, they do who... descending order list. She's, her descending order is going to be pretty hard to beat, right? I'm not sure when the when the the time frame opens, but if like if she's in the window, are they in the window? Is like the marathon, like it's her? Does she have the second fastest marathon? In that Aaron window, Hall. where only, yeah, maybe. But usually, you see, you see a lot of people turn that down. I think Sarah Hall will run it because Sarah Hall runs every race, so yeah. there's no reason why she would not run that. But a lot of people pass on that because they want to do the fall marathon. And I think with Damato, perhaps she'll go for the 10,000 team again in 2022. But plenty of time to talk about that. We're not even in 2021 yeah. yet. Sorry, yeah. I put the I no, it's okay. I put the Olympic trials results for the marathon. As, as a big surprise, I'm speaking specifically about the women here because on the men's side, it had the right amount of surprises for an Olympic trials race. But the women, it was a top three that very few people would have picked with Tulia Muck, Seidel, and Sally Kipiego. Um, you had what do you two think the DNFs. Go ahead. Oh, so what do you think the payout would have been if someone picked that order? Like, what do you think the odds of picking that order would have been? We should do that next time. We should do, like, not just the, like, odds to win, but we should do first, second, third, and just get really, like, 0.001% shit. Because even if you said, even if you took the three biggest favorites, if you said something like Hase, Linden, Sisson, or Huddle, Hase, Sisson, or something like that, yeah. The odds of you getting all three are really, really hard. You know, it's like a, it's like hitting on you know your three-team parlay or whatever with with the NFL. Yeah. But the Tulia Mux Seidel Kipiego thing had to have been just infinitesimal odds. Um, so I included that one. Um, I guess if if one of them made it, it wouldn't have been a surprise. If one of them snuck in and got third, you'd have been like, oh okay, sort of in the same way Abdi got in there. That's a, that's a yeah. surprise. 
but the fact that all three of them it was basically three three people with low odds all all delivered so yeah i uh i, I included that one in there as well yeah i was surprised i think i think in this situation where we say was kipchoge surprised i mean when he got eighth you mm -hmm. said yeah you, i mean these at i mean someone like molly seidel definitely was surprised i mean her mindset going in i think we i remember seeing an interview of her after like the half marathon in in houston i mean because she was making you a marathon her. debut i didn't I, I didn't do the interview but maybe i did i don't know maybe Wait, i did no you uh, did but i watched the interview i, did. I watched the interview yeah yeah because well, i wrote about her she after was the race. you know she was not Can't even remember like, all the content you do that's how much content she was do. just Can't there the you know she was just there on using house money terms like she was just there yeah. to kind of get her feet wet and see what happens but there was no expectation that like i'm gonna get top three the ex her expectation was just like see what happens and what happened was she got second which is just wild so uh yeah even the athlete who trained all year long for that moment was actually not even training to be top three. She was training just to like figure it out. And the result yeah. was top three. So yeah. Anyway. Yeah. yeah I, think I was two, surprised two, with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Tulia Muck and Kip Yego obviously had better odds than her. Um, maybe Kip, maybe you would have ranked them Kip Yego slightly ahead of Tulia Muck and then a bit of a gap and then, and then Seidel. But yeah, for all three of them and then for, Huddle, Sisson, Hase, and Linden. Yeah, Linden, and and then now in retrospect, Hall. But then you also could say, you know, Taylor, Bruce, Bates. Man, it's the women's marathon right now. in The U.S. is fun. There's like there's a lot there's a lot of good good women right now. It's going to be exciting moving forward. It's you wish you had a trials type race where you got the best Americans every single every single year. All right, let's move on. Let's go to. Well, let's go to the men's marathon side of things. Uh, Marty Hare, who just won yeah. the marathon project, but that was not his only achievement here in 2020, Gordon. At well, those did Olympic you hear trials. he's in med school? Did you hear he's in med school? <laughs> <laughs> that's the uh, – if, if he made the Olympic team, that's all you would hear about for the next – and until the Olympics started, would be like, and during the race, that would be the the thing that they would just just mention over and over again. You'd put that in the that'd be the free space in the bingo board for the marathon broadcast. Would be Marty Harris in, in med school, uh, which is great, which is great. Um, but he was sixth in Atlanta, ran two eleven twenty nine, and you looked at that and you're just like, oh man, that was a that was a wonky race. I'd like to see what this guy does uh, for a follow up, and then he goes and runs. Uh, 208.59 and wins that wins that marathon project. So I think, as Lincoln and I talked about, I think he's a name to to look at in the future. Maybe he develops into a, a Jared Ward type of guy who can contend for top five at major marathons. You know, Ward obviously got sixth in the Olympics, but I think if you right now were looking at the odds for 2024 olympic marathon trials i don't know why you'd be looking at that you'd have to be a degenerate running gambler and that does not exist you'd put rup at the top of the board but i think Hera would have to be in the in the top three right now based on these last two races yeah definitely was a surprise um he just had like that like he was like i mean look at it like his college career like he was good but like yeah. i think because you know, he was looked more as like just 
a good piece on a good team. You know, like he was just mm-hmm. like that solid because he came back, I think, for a fifth year for Syracuse to come. Like he only had cross country eligibility, I think, and then he came back to the year they won. Um, but he he was he was just looked at like as just like a solid NCAA scorer that's on a good team. Mm-hmm. Like when people thought of Syracuse, you think of Justin Knight, right? You're not really thinking of Martin Hare, but he's like that that leadership presence, the the senior. Um, but he was looked at as like once my college career is done, I'm probably not going to be able to compete at the international level the way someone like Justin Knight would be able to. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could also go in Colin Benny in this in this conversation now because he ran well too. But he found an avenue in the marathon, and I think you guys talk about this like not many young um, college kids go right to the marathon right away. You know they kind of they kind of the one the good ones at least go right to do five k fifteen hundred, and then once they're thirty, they're doing the marathon. He mm-hmm. saw an opportunity where. The U.S. men's marathon is not deep. It's not like there's not like four different Galen Rups the way there are on like the women's side. There's just one, so there's lots of opportunity. <laughs> and yeah, you he 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 showed that like hey like I'm I'm a four flat miler, but maybe I can't run 352, but now I can run 208, and mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. found a spot for me where I fit in, and not just fit in where I can now be a consistent. U.S. presence on every major marathon, and he's going to be pretty much on probably seventy-five percent. I think on everyone's uh, top three pick for twenty twenty-four. Like I think mm-hmm. most people are going to put him in their top three, and that's a surprise, right? Because in twenty nineteen, yeah. no one would say Marty Hare twenty twenty-four lock, right? But now, yeah. at the end of this year. Mm-hmm. Martin Herr, 2024 lock is like the statement that everyone will make, which is, which yeah. is great. Yeah. Now he improved his stock tremendously. If you, if we did a pod about whose stock went up the most in 2020, he'd be, he'd He's be like right the there. Tesla stock. Top of- you know, get in. <laughs> yeah. We should, we should have bought Martin Herr in like 2018. And now we would be millionaires because we know our yeah. stock would be like worth 10 times it in 2024, but we didn't. Unfortunately. It's funny. I, I thought he was younger than he was. I just he just turned twenty eight, so he's still young ish. But but by U.S. marathon standards, that's pretty young because the Ryan Hall route is is pretty rare. So he had a couple post collegiate uh, seasons where he was focused on the track and on shorter distances on the roads before he finally made his debut in the marathon in what was that twenty twenty eighteen is when he made his mar- marathon debut. So he was a couple years out of college before he made a marathon uh, uh made a marathon debut but that's that's rare that's rare usually it's okay i'm going to exhaust i'm going to go through an olympic cycle or maybe even two olympic cycles before i try to uh yeah. move to the move to the marathon distance uh okay we got i have three left on here uh i'll do the the bummer one and then we'll end on more positive ones programs ncaa programs being cut slash reinstated after being cut a double surprise here. Yeah. I mean, it's a surprise, but also wasn't a surprise too, when you really think about it, because understanding how athletic programs operate and how like no like the lack of March Madness revenue and the lack of of major football revenue, 
that colleges were just going to resort to the easy way out of instead of learning to budget better, they're just going to slash and continue mm-hmm. with a bad budget, right? So, um, yeah, it's it's a bummer. You think there? I am surprised with the number of, hey, we're cutting you, and then two months later, oh, sorry, we changed your mind. You know, yeah. it happened with like UConn, right? It happened with Minnesota. It's trying to. It happened with Dartmouth. It's or was it Dartmouth? Brown. What was the Ivy League one? Brown. Was it Brown? Brown. 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 It's currently trying to happen with Clemson. Um, mm-hmm. William and Mary, I think, had it in and out. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I think what was the, interesting I too mean, was yeah. the escalation was interesting too. It started with mid-major programs, then Minnesota got mentioned. So then you're in the power five realm of things. And then you go to Clemson, a school where nobody is going to discount that they're not making a truckload of money on football. Now, Clemson is different than obviously if Stanford or Oregon cut their program just because of the, the, the tradition and the role that those teams play in the sport. But I think that's the only, that's the only way it can escalate going forward from here, I think. Now you could see more Clemsons where it's more power five teams that have um, obviously a lot of money invested in the football the uh, football team that decide to cut it. But in terms of it getting – I mean, when Russell Dinkins was on the show, he basically pointed out, he's like, if it can happen at Clemson, it can happen anywhere because they can't use – it's not like, oh, we had a budget shortfall, right? At that point, it's just we don't want the sport. That's the argument. Yeah. We don't want cross-country and track. We don't want to pay for it. Forget all the other excuses. They're just saying straight up, we don't want it because you can't really say – what was it? Two million dollars to fund the program or something? You can't really say that they're not making two million dollars um, at Clemson. And then when they brought back when they brought back football, that went away because you mentioned March Madness. Okay, that was the short term thing, but then it was oh no, it's because there's going to be this big loss for 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 football. So there was an escalation throughout these cancellations. It wasn't exactly linear, but we saw it with mid majors or smaller schools, and then it just got. Uh, progressively bigger and bigger. Some of them got them back and some of them, some of them didn't, but I don't know if it, I don't know if we've seen the last of it, even though yeah. we seem to be heading back to normal sports schedules. Yeah. I was going to ask, do you think, you, you think we're going to see more? You think we still have yet to maybe like next summer, they're going to reevaluate once they go yeah. through this whole year of crazy pandemic type sports that there's going to be another round of, Hey, sorry, we're done. Well, I mean, Stanford cut sports. Stanford didn't cut cross country and track, but Stanford cut sports. So I think programs are going to cut sports. It's just a matter of, does that happen to be cross country or track? And if you're at a school where cross country and track isn't valued, then yeah, I think it's going to happen. Because, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, my perception of this was by the end, it seemed like schools stopped using the COVID excuse. Right. Yeah. It was more just like, yeah. hey, the budget doesn't because there had been so many holes blown through that argument that they were abandoning it and just making the decision and using the argument based more on dollars and cents of like, okay, well, this is uh, this program loses money and this program loses this much, so we're gonna we're gonna cut it. It seemed like the facade was ripped off at a certain point, whereas early on, 
I think even with Minnesota, they were talking about COVID being the reason, and then they've gone away from that. So once we're past that, will they keep cutting? I think there will be, there will continue to be cuts until there's um, some sort of long-term fiscal solution or just some sort of understanding that like, hey, these programs are going to lose money and that's okay because we want to keep it and it's important for our university to have this team represent the school. Yeah. I mean, I hope it's, I hope it's done, but I think we're going to be hit with another round come like June, July, August, which will be unfortunate, but yeah. hopefully not. Because we'll of, but because of numbers are, are lower than they thought, or just because they've wanted to, they've wanted to make these cuts all along. <clears throat> I think they've wanted to do it all along and they're just trying to figure out timing and like, they're kind of like, all right, let's just get through this year and then we'll do it again. It's, it's not expect we don't need to cut it right now because they're not traveling anywhere. So the 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 budgets like the track and field budget right now is probably super non-existent because they're not flying to all over the country because of COVID. So they're not losing as much money now. But then once they get back up and running and they're gonna have to spend again, yeah. then they might be like, hey, let's cut again. So, well, imagine uh, imagine if you're in this position. <clears throat> And you're an, you're a D1 coach, and you're going and you're talking to your administrator about your budget for the year, and the administrator says, "Hey, your budget, your travel budget, can we get rid of some of these trips? Are you going to be as likely to push back now, knowing that program Power Five schools are willing to cut, or will you just be like, yeah, yeah sure, we don't need to go to we don't need to go to this meet, we don't need to go to that meet." We don't need to fly to Seattle and run in Texas and go to Florida and go to Boston and do all these other things. I think that's one change that you will see is people will try to keep budgets leaner because they don't want their Excel cell for their sport to have a, to be read, right? They yeah. want the administrator to scroll right by it and they want to zoom in on another sport and, and, and not pay attention to track and cross country. Yeah as as a weight on the overall budget so i definitely think coaches will be proactive and cut out some of those trips and some of that travel to stay to stay lean just because now there's been i mean it's like a brushback pitch right you've seen what's happened throughout the country it's like you're going to make sure that you're doing everything you can to avoid that same fate yeah it's all it's just crazy because like when they get cut, the reaction from us and from the fans and from the alumni is all about the emotional connection to the history of the program. And like, we just won an NCAA title in 1984 or, or like, yeah. did you know, there's an Olympian on that team. And like, none of that information is in that Excel block that says negative $1.2 million. Like mm -hmm. none of that. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you, like in their mind, they're like, imagine if someone handed, if if someone if someone knocked on your door tomorrow, Kevin, and just handed mm -hmm. you a bag of one point two million dollars, right? <laughs> You're probably like thrilled, right? You're like, oh my mm -hmm. goodness, I got one point two million dollars. It's a Christmas miracle. You're buying all these extra toys for your kids. But then a week later, or no, three days later, you see on the news some like poor child family of 12 just had 1.2 million dollars taken from them and you're gonna be like right, right. 
oh, all that like positivity of saving, of getting a $1.2 million, now it's a different perspective. And I think that's what right. it is here. The perspective of like, we just saved the organization, the company, $1.2 million. But then when people find out, you realize, well, that was a negative impact on the the Brown community. It's a negative impact on the Minnesota running community. It's a negative yeah, yeah. impact on the Clemson community. And that these, it's just, someone like Russell Dinkins has to come up and use his loudspeaker to show like the negative impact. And I don't know how much money a more restrained travel budget would save because that's not, that's not the whole deal here is if, if it was just about yeah. cutting down travel budgets, then all these programs would do it. But let's just say that's one impact from all of this. Do you think the sport at the collegiate level is worse for the wear if it has to become more regional just to save some money in indoors and outdoors? I guess cross country, it's not that big of a deal because they're only competing a few times, but this would mostly be an indoor and outdoor thing. Uh, I mean, there are some people I was talking to a, like a power five coach the other day and he was kind of looking forward to less major invitational type meets and that the, the, the lore of dual meets and tri meets and quad meets coming back will be good for the sport. Yeah, you know, I I do see his point because you know dual meets, tri meets was like the whole thing of like high school, right? That's most of my meets were mm-hmm. dual meets and tri meets in high school, and we kind of like love beating the rival high school in the in the end of that four by four. It wasn't about like the individual times, um, but I I do see it is interesting, but I think it's only going to be interesting if like winning a tri meet or dual meet mattered. And right now, the way the NCAA championship system is set up, winning a dual meet or tri meet means nothing. And I think, like, whoever wins the UCLA, the Cal, Stanford, big meet, or whoever wins the Washington, Washington State dual meet, it's cool, Mm -hmm. whatever. But, like, it really would only actually be cool if the winner got something. And if that winner Mm -hmm. got, you know, access, you know, if it meant something for the championship, the way a win of one basketball team being another is a one on your record, which makes you look good for to the selection committee. So I think well, dual meets and try meets will only be interesting when winning them means something. They're hunting marks. Isn't that what this is all about is they're trying to get fast times. So if you could run, if you could get the right amount of teams in the right setting in these dual try quad meets to get fast times, then I think they would be fine with it. I don't think you're right. The fact that people are arguing that it might even be better that way. And then you add on to it, the budget can constraints. So it's a, it's like a win on both sides for a lot of people. Now there'll be people who say, yeah, it's cool that there's like a zillion fast heats in at BU or at Stanford or at these types of meets. But I think there's, there's enough people who are thinking, okay, well, if I have to cut back anyway, then, then maybe this is the new reality and let's try to figure out how we maximize opportunities in our region. Because, I mean, you could get four, four teams from, to do conference meets and not have to travel very far. I'm just thinking of power fives, right? And within those four teams, you could cover a lot of different event groups to make sure that there's some good competition across the board. There'd obviously be some exceptions, especially when you get to things like the 10,000 or something where you know, it would spread out really quickly if if you had elite versus uh, some schools that did not have an elite 
10 K or 5 K runner or steepler or something like that. But with four teams, you, you could fill up, fill up a lot of fields with, with good competitors in the power five and not have to try. Well, imagine, imagine this situation. Imagine if we reimagined the entire indoor season, I probably will talk about this maybe on a pod later, but imagine if like everyone, every track team had four <laughs> regular season meets where they were all quad meets. So they ended up yeah. competing and and you pay and you play someone different in all quad meets. You never play the same team twice. So you end up competing against uh, eight, 12. So you end up playing against 15. You end up uh, competing against 15 different teams in the regular season. And then you also have mm-hmm. conferences, right? Where you compete against another 10 or whatever. So in all, you end up competing against 25, maybe 25 to 30 different teams, right? And mm-hmm. in each of those competitions, you're scored against them, like in a quad meet. So you have a win-loss mm-hmm. record. You could be 25-0, and 24-1. and And then they decide to, like, pick maybe, you know, Power 5 conference champions as autos. And then based on record or based on... You know, if you're mm-hmm. 25 and 0, your track team gets to go to nationals, and South Dakota State, who happens to be 25 and 0 in all their dual meets, <laughs> they get to go to nationals and send their entire roster of 25 kids, three per event yeah. or whatever, have a limit, and then you have a team indoor championship where it's not about individuals. You have that on one weekend, and then the next weekend, it's the top 16 mark people. You know. And so you can have your team champion and the top 16 mark champions. And you don't score yeah. the top 16 mark championship. You only score the team championship. Because then it'll be like, or, you'd have rankings. You'd be like, well, we are ranked 14th. We're, we're 22 and one right now. You know? Oh, wow. This small school's having a good, having a good year. Or that could just be the, the regular season. Could, there could just be a trophy at the end of the regular season. Whoever has the best record yeah. at the end of the regular season, that's the team champion. You don't need to do another meet. You're just going Premier League style. And then there's yeah. still the NCAA championship. My question is, in terms of cost offsets, because then you're, you're, you're going with a bigger team because you're bringing everybody in all these different events. Is that, is that cheaper than taking a few select people to these big-time meets and then keeping your lesser – established people at home and only racing them at home meets. I don't know, right? Like if Oregon goes to Washington for a dual meet, Washington State for a dual meet, Cal or BYU or something, um, is that is that cheaper than them flying to a bunch of, you know, big time relay type meets or or invitational type meets with their best people? I don't know. From a, from a money standpoint, I don't know. But anyway, Let's do two more. Two more here real quick. Uh, biggest surprise, women's 5,000. Women's 5,000. Um, I've read these PRs or these times before. They are astounding. If you look at this is the list for the women's 5,000, they did not take the year off. 1406, 1422, 1423, 1426, 1435, Women's five thousand. That's a lot of fourteens. That's a lot of fourteens. Uh, yeah, and that's that's just uh, that's outdoor. If you want to throw indoor in there, we can uh, we can get even more fourteens. But my point is, it was a legit year for the women's five thousand. Yes, was a surprise. 
Uh, I mean, it happens every year, though. There's always that one event that just happens mm-hmm. to be a great event for that season. And for COVID, it was women's 5K. So mm-hmm. shuffle up and deal. Find, what, do you, what do you think with the event? What's going to be the women's 5K of 2021? The women's 800. For no reason. In fact, I don't even think it's going to be the women's 800, but I'm trying to think about what I'm going to get wrong in advance. And I'm going to say women's 800. <laughs> there we go. Boom. Okay. Speaking of women's 5,000. I think it's going to be the men's 1,500. Okay. That's a good pick, but that makes too much sense, which is why I will not pick it. Speaking of women's 5,000, uh, another surprise in that event. She was not in the 14s yet, but Jenna Hutchins, the the high schooler, who burst onto the scene this year, broke Caitlin to his 5,000-meter record. I did not see that coming, Gordon. Yeah, she broke it twice, on the grass and then on the track. Uh, on the grass, you had an ability to kind of be like, ooh, you know, cross-country records are all – they shouldn't exist, let's just be honest, like because no course is the same and weather and mm-hmm. measurement and all that stuff. Uh, but she followed up her sub – because she ran sub – 16 right on the cross country course Mm -hmm. and then but then just a few weeks later just like runs an incredible 5k on the track didn't seem to be tiring stopped her watch when she crossed the finish line to upload it to Strava probably (laughs) she pulled a uh a a chapter guy um but yeah 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 I, I that I mean maybe it's not as surprising if you're more diving in deep into the high school realm as like maybe our colleagues over at mile split probably were less surprised than we were. Um, but you know, normally you have like an athlete come up like Caitlin Tui or, you know, go years back to like Jordan to Sarah Baxter and at least crannies and all these people. Right. Who yeah. normally it, it's like a, it's a little progression. Like they have their, they have like a good, they like show it. It's coming, it's coming. And then they have like, then they're allowed and mm-hmm. have the big stuff. But because of COVID, we didn't really have that buildup of like seeing Jenna Hutchinson, Hutchins like slowly like build up to like what she became. I mean, she did still, she was a top 10 finisher and cross last year, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, she didn't have like those like regular season, normal races to like show like watch out for her in her junior season uh, because her sophomore season just didn't exist. But now she 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 starts her junior season with a, a national record. Where does she go from here? Right? Like where do you what's your next step? She did it before 2021. She she did it before indoor started, right? So what can we expect from her for these next two seasons as a junior? Like and that let again her senior year, you know? Yeah, fifteen thirty four yeah, fifteen thirty four certainly sets a very, very high bar. We'll leave it there. Flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks to everybody for listening and downloading. Stay tuned for more end of the year content. Thank you to Alon for producing. We'll talk to you guys next time.